Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen continues her six-interview series on attachment and expressive arts therapies. Her fourth guest is music therapist Jackie Roberts, here to discuss exploring attachment issues with music therapy. Part two will be released on March 1st. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock. And today, we are going to have another guest who is part of our ongoing series related to the use of creative arts therapies in attachment-based work. And uh, we are going to be interviewing a music therapist today. Her name is Jacqueline Robarts. She is based in London. And I have just been so impressed with a lot of the wonderful work that she has been writing about. I came across her for the first time, I think, when I was reading the book Creative Arts and Play Therapy for Attachment Problems. That's a book edited by um, Malchiotti and Crenshaw. And after that, I was so intrigued by all that she was writing about that I began to seek out other papers she has written. So let me tell you a little bit about Jackie. She is a former clinical tutor at the Nordoff Robbins Music Therapy Center in London, as well as a lecturer in theoretical studies at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama Music Therapy. She has been a music therapist, teacher, and supervisor for over 40 years with both um, in-person and international online teaching and supervision practice, as well as improvisation techniques is another area that she provides a lot of teaching and coaching in. She specializes in work with children and parents where there's been attachment difficulties, early trauma, specifically maltreatment and domestic violence. She's also worked with eating disorders and autism. She works with children, adolescents, and adults. She draws from psychoanalytic, developmental, and attachment theory, as well as trauma theory. So she has published lots of journal articles. And in 2023, she has a book releasing called Symbolic Play and Creative Arts and Music Therapy with Children and Families. So please stay tuned and Jackie Roberts will be coming right up to talk with us about her work. So listeners, I am now welcoming Jackie Roberts to our show. Jackie, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Karen. That's a delight to be here. Yeah, so, so happy to have you. So music therapy, and um, I've been trying to absorb all your different readings that uh, I'm aware of in your bibliography and such. 
And one comment I saw here was the power of music to affect intra and interpersonal responses. And that really stood out to me as a very powerful statement. I'd like you to just elaborate on that a little bit. Well, music is an extraordinary thing. And it is. And we are all tonal and rhythmic beings. In fact, one of the basic premises of music therapy has been that we are uh, innately musical. We don't have to have training in it to express ourselves musically. And then along came the infancy researchers, Daniel Stern, Colwyn Trevathan, and many others, Beatrice Beebe, and they were having to use musical terms to describe the very earliest interactions of infants and mothers, infants and parents indeed, but particularly the mother, because it starts the musical responses and the uh, starts in the womb, as you will know. Yeah. Uh, the hearing function uh, develops at 23 weeks. Um, so it's the earliest uh, sense uh, that develops. We don't, I don't think we know too much about touch. That's mm-hmm. another aspect, but certainly before sight. Yeah. Uh, and that the baby is responding, the fetus is responding to mother's voice, speaking voice, and even can hear father's voice through the, the, uh, the, the stomach wall, if you like, the placenta. Yes. Uh, and most curiously, extraordinarily, that the infant learns to recognize that that voice is his or her mother's voice, not anyone else's, not any old voice. And research has been done by De Casper and Carstens, for instance, to show that, that the baby really does recognize this, uh, the, the tones and rhythms of a voice that is his mother. Um, so the musical connection is very strong in all its inflections, dynamics, timbre, phrasing, and so on, from the very, very earliest uh, times. And we know also how readily music regulates, interregulates the relationship, or we might call it attachment, between infant and parent. Yes. Um, yeah. And the extraordinary thing that too that uh, that the infancy researchers uh, um, discovered was the sharing of the beat. This is intuitive; that it, the pulse is shared, whether it's in movement or uh, we either, that the the child or the infant very readily is in the same time, in the same tempo as. Um, as a parent, and parent can adjust the tempo uh, or the or the beat, and the child will follow uh, in um, uh, a phenomenon we call entrainment. Yes, but, yes. and this is the regulatory aspect of what uh, Stern called uh, attunement, affect attunement. Yes, and yeah, and I think you know another thing that you didn't exactly mention when talking about the in utero experience, um, but you're alluding to now is even heartbeat or steps, the rhythm of steps, and you know all of those rhythmic things that are happening with the baby in utero. 
Yes, and it's it, it's embodied, and it continues to be embodied throughout the lifespan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's extraordinary that some of the, the the phrasing and spacing in words, and the influence of hand gestures and body movements, um, are picked up between in adult to adult conversations. So the same phenomena. Um, persist and continue throughout the lifespan, and they have a regulatory effect. You know, we talked about talk some about being on the same wavelength, or oh, I easily fell into step with so and so, or I was feeling a little off key today, or we didn't quite have the same wavelength. Yes, uh, yeah, and those are all, all musical phenomena which are very yes. real. It's an embodied uh, aspect of our lived experience yes yes well this idea um you know particularly for a lot of our listeners um there are people working with adults yes but many are working with uh children that are highly dysregulated and this whole um idea about music being organizing and regulating is just so important to those children. And I, I, I'm a theraplay therapist and I, I want to share a, a quick example. Um, we do a, an activity called row, row, row your boat back and forth, holding a child's hand and singing row, row, row your boat. Okay. But we also have a way that we do that in a group and we have people clap their hands and then clap the person beside them. And we sing row, row, row your boat together. So like there's more coordination. You have to clap your hand and clap your neighbor's hand. And if you try to do it without singing, nobody can do it. Like if I just explain, we're going to clap here and then you're going to clap the person next to you, you know, but as soon as, you know, and I'll be like clapping all over and offbeat and whatever. And it's, it, and even if I count, it's just not the same as if we sing row, row, row your boat, something happens and this regulation comes to the whole group. It's just so interesting. Yeah, oh, that's a lovely, lovely story. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the tone and the rhythm and the narrative of the song draws everyone together and helps them car- carry it along. Yes. A, a, a sort of vehicle, if you like, the, the form of it holds everyone together and off you go. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, I, I uh, work uh, with very young children uh, as well as uh, adolescents um, and adults, but mostly with uh, children between uh, zero and um, about 16 or so would be my main experience, particularly children who are very closed down. So in music therapy, people may have the idea, oh, how lovely, they play music and they feel better. Um, Well, I would love that to be the case, but and it sometimes is. However, my interest was drawn to using other art forms as well as music. Because when I first started as music therapist, I was working in a uh, children's hospital with inpatient child psychiatry units. We had very, very um, uh, ill children, children who'd been maltreated, children who uh, uh, couldn't engage. And as Winnie, mm-hmm. the famous pediatrician uh, psychiatrist, said, you know, we need to bring sometimes we need to bring children into a state of play before therapy can be done i'm paraphrasing him yes and and so that is when you know 
listening, waiting, attending, and sometimes not attending too closely to give the child enough space and not make them feel exposed, that music includes silence. And I've made uh, a lot of mistakes by not being silent enough. And I think, I think uh, um, one of your other interviewers, it might've been Kathy, or said, you know, sometimes we talk too much. So I, at times we play too much in music. So I like to leave a lot of space. Um, but with very closed down children, I instinctively felt that they, this was too persecutory to be in silence all the time. The instruments, I thought, why do they feel, suddenly feel so terrifying? And of course, they're very exposing. You touch something and it sounds back at you. And uh, I felt for these children who felt too overwhelmed by just even the tiniest sound to engage. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, if I have a piece of paper, which is boundaried, I immediately felt how safe a piece of paper is. I could start there with some art materials. I might use music, but it might be a way in. And I'd used art a lot myself in growing up. My sister is an artist. I've done some expressive art therapy myself, which I found extraordinarily helpful. And it's a very enriching aspect of, um, of, uh, uh, of an expressive arts therapy process. So uh, I, I began to work in that way, using, using art and musical image and music. Sometimes yes. it would be a song, sometimes it would play in child-led work. I think it's very different when you're working one-to-one -one as opposed to in a group. Mm -hmm. You can let the child lead the play. And um, I, I, you can in groups, of course. It can be somewhat chaotic with little ones, but it's always worth exploring that too. I'm sure you've. <laughs> but with Indus, I want to see where are they? How are they going to use this session? Um, uh, how much structure do they need? Do, do, do they need me to set a frame? Um, yes. And uh, one gets to know very quickly at what point a, a child will feel comfortable. To, to engage or how they will use a session. They might spend a whole time checking out the, the walls and the cupboards and, uh, and I think, well, that's, that's something that needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you write, and you've already mentioned some of this as we're talking, but um, you write about, you know, Beatrice Beebe's work and, and Trevartan. There's a lot about his work and, I was thinking about um, motheries, you know, uh, that he he writes about and, you know, um, which if listeners don't know, he's talking about the special way that mothers or caregivers, primary caregivers speak to the babies. And I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit more and how it relates to, to music. Yeah, well, uh uh, Carl Wintervarthen, who's been a great supporter of music therapy and art therapies, um, uh, he, he's um, used this term, motherese, or pre-music. That's uh, another term he used. Yes. And it, again, it's rather instinctive. In fact, he, he's even said it's the baby that teaches the mother to sing. Um, oh, that's and, so sweet. That's yes, so and cool. it, 
before you come into singing, you know, songs like Round Around the Garden or whatever. Mother is doing something very clever, intuitively, in helping the baby regulate. And then by the, it, might, it, it evolves in a kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. As Jonathan says, you know, um, the, the baby doesn't know what mother's saying. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, oh, you little so-and-so. And, oh, you know, fancy you doing that to mummy today. Oh, mummy's really tired and wanted to, uh, uh, wanted to have a sleep or something. Or sometimes mothers can be quite insulting to their baby, letting off steam, say, oh, you little toe rag or whatever. You know, <laughs> favorite one. And, of course, the thing is, it's, it's what the baby is picking up is, Mum's interested in me. She's she's saying these interesting things. I think they, you know, they're not thinking this, of course, but there is a narrative that's evolving which has meaning. And yes. Early meaning making does not have to have uh, words that are understood, but the tone and contour of the words, the timbre, the way the, the, the parent speaks is the thing that's building meaning. And there will be some imitative aspects as well. Uh, obviously, the you know, mirror neurons have been mentioned before, but it's a, a, a very, uh, if we, we're wired to pick up the musical aspects. Uh, yes. Yes. Of one another. It's very difficult. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I I can't resist quoting you, even though you're here to quote yourself. But uh, this is um, in your chapter in Creative Arts and Play Therapy for Attachment Problems. And you're talking about this process of containment and transformation in the transference relationship. And I feel like this is, I I was so struck by this where you're talking about what happens between the mother and the therapist. They receive projections of the infant slash client understands and thinks about them and then gives it back in a useful form that can be felt with less anxiety and perhaps at the right time thought about leading to this concept of a container and being contained. And so, you know, thinking about that as, you know, the baby is giving forth, maybe it's, you know, whatever this is. And as you were saying, the, the mother is sort of giving meaning in a container to it. I loved how you said about in, in a good situation, giving it back with less anxiety, you know, that whole regulatory idea of this is, this is what's coming out of you. You know, I'm going to help organize it and, and, you know, allow my um, regulatory capacity to help with what you're giving me. I just thought you had I could read much more of it, but I won't. Um, but it was just a very beautiful way that you were explaining that. Yeah, that's from uh, Wilfred Bion. It's one that yes. uh, we draw, the UK therapists draw a lot from the British Object Relations School. But I yes. rather like attachment, actually, uh, is a nice transatlantic uh, <laughs> development, if you like, with, with Canada, America, and the UK all yes. in, 
involved in this uh, endeavor to to uh, identify aspects of attachment. The container contained absolutely. The mother takes in the recognizes the child's anxious or upset, and just even by saying oh, you're up, you know, oh dear, 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 and you know, notice I'm doing three words, dear, dear, dear. yes. As often it's that rhythmic thing, or even yes. even when you're saying that, no, 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 not that yet, and they're trying to get your iPhone or something. Yes, and yes. We need a little bit, and 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 the parent is containing that. It's not feeding back to the child. Oh, you very easily get upset, don't you? And and the, right. it's about, and we know that Granny's gone away and all that. They might say that. But I'd give you an example. We've been talking about um, babies in early childhood, but I can give you a very sort of concrete example of work with a, a, a young girl I worked with from the age of. Uh, when she was nine until 15 and she'd had a very difficult early um, early childhood um, uh, very neglected and frequently abandoned and so on and she uh, and very rejected she felt very rejected very intelligent girl um, and she uh, found it very difficult to be in in any inter interpersonal relationship at all. In fact, she wanted just to show me how rejected she had been. She rejected everything I had to offer, music, mm -hmm. everything else. Although she was she was quite happy to tell me she was singing in a school musical. Um, <laughs> so I thought, you know, uh, this wasn't a girl. You know, so she was perfectly able. And I tried everything, and I thought it, it, it would just end up being perfunctory. And I, I certainly don't like being the boss in my room. Unless I, my therapist, I absolutely have to say something to keep things safe. But in this instance, I had the inspiration to use a box. She'd already used a, a, a box. I've had two boxes, and so I had one. She kept throwing me messages, uh, scrunched up. I don't want to be here, and all that sort of thing. Absolutely silent, other. And I used the. Um, one box to keep the things she threw away, and I called it so and so, her name, box of things for Jackie to think about. So I was containing the I things, love that. a whole lot more things about, you know, um, parents in a situation, and it was just too painful. So she chucked them away, and I said, We can't, we, uh, Jackie wants to keep them. And she had another box that she had for the things that she could think about, but it also had a basement layer. Uh, this is a big shoebox. You imagine it had a basement layer that she created with a very sort of a, a imitation lock and key, and I never looked in there. But that was a very uh, her very 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 most secret thoughts. So it enabled a certain amount of containment that she had control over, and she assigned some some uh, sort of containment to me. She allowed me to contain some of the things she couldn't deal with at the time. So that's a very physical example. Yes, a lovely example. Um, yeah, and I another thing that I was recognizing in reading about your work, um, and of course, you know, we want to get deeper into music therapy, but I was so cognizant that 
in TheraPlay and even dyadic developmental psychotherapy, there are a lot of things that we do that I felt like you were highlighting and deepening the understanding of. Like, you know, we we do in TheraPlay do this running commentary of what's happening. Oh, you like how you didn't like that. Uh-oh, that surprised you. You know, and, you know, this type of thing. And then even um, in dyadic developmental psychotherapy, Dan Hughes's model, this, this sort of storytelling voice, um, you know, and, and I was, begin, you know, starting to think about, obviously, I, I was well aware that we use rhythm um, in TheraPlay, but it was really not, not looking at it from a music therapy perspective. And, and so I guess um, what I'm aware of is there are other therapies outside of music therapy proper that use these kinds of things that you're writing about. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, there's a tremendous amount of overlap. There must be. It would be a waste if not. And and because we're all human beings working together to help other human beings. Yes. Basically, musical, artistic, moving, dancing, uh, making marks, human beings. And uh, uh, certainly my integrative approach developed really in a child-led way uh, with these very closed down children who couldn't engage directly in music at first or who did play a lot and who um, I felt they were just filling the space with music. Mm -hmm. And so I sometimes Mm -hmm. sort of say, uh, sort of, introduce something else to see if we could have another way in um but uh yes this the 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 way in which you speak and the tone that you use and i like the way you you talk about being uh, in this sort of narrative mode um i'd like to refer to ann alvarez a, a leading um uh, psychoanalytic psychotherapist uh, here in the UK at the Tavistock Clinic, um, but actually a Canadian. And she yeah. had a wonderful book, uh, several books actually, but a wonderful book called Live Company and another called The Thinking Heart. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the descriptive level or and the, uh, well, the first is the vitalizing level and the descriptive level and the interpretive level. Yes. And she says in her book, The Thinking Heart, the Radlish publication of 2012, I think, um, that that the arts therapists and related therapists, you know, play and uh, um, use this very well, very resourcefully. She she actually says that in in that that book. And I think staying at the descriptive your level, you're staying in the moment alongside the child and the child's focus of attention. Um, and I think music does that too. Sometimes when I'm a, a child doing something, they may be building a music house or a den or something. I may sometimes be playing something in the background. It's almost like a film score and picking up something from the child's, uh, the feelings that are in the room or the child's narrative. And at other times I might be listening silently or even helping. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So aspect of narrative it's an embodied narrative that uh, emerges is something uh that in a sense leads the therapeutic process of uh, containment attachment and transformation 
Mm, beautiful. It, it, regu it regulates, that's the containment, if you like, which then forms the attachment, the trust, the secure base the ba uh, that, that John Bowlby talks about. And then uh, too often the transformation is kind of left, but children change, therapists change. We learn yes. a lot from uh, our clients. Uh, uh, That's we? for sure. Yes. Well, Jackie, this has just been fascinating. And I, listeners, I hope that you will come back to hear part two of this discussion with music therapist Jackie Roberts. Uh, we're having such a great time and we have lots more to talk about. So please join us next week for the second half of this interview. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. 